one of my favorite Springsteen lines comes from Long Walk Home. That flag saying over the courthouse means certain things are set in stone, who we are, what we'll do and what we won't. And I think about that all the time when I'm covering stories that involve that intersection of sports patriotism and the militarization of sports more than anything else. And uh, I actually referenced that line on air recently when I was doing a long form commentary piece about some of that stuff. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Listing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is my new friend I met via Twitter. He is Spectrum Sports 360 host and reporter John Alba. John, welcome to the show. Well, Jesse, I'll tell you, I really appreciate it, man. I uh, normally. I mean, when I do radio hits or podcast hits, it's about sports. But anytime I can talk the Bruce book, the book of Bruce, whatever you want to call it, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I've literally got the big uh, all songs uh, Springsteen textbook right by me right now. I had to do some research and preparation for this conversation. So I'm very excited. That is so cool. Uh, yeah, I do. Every once in a while, sports and Springsteen's uh, collide. And it was funny. Um in 2016, I, I my only time I've seen him in Jersey, I was there at the Met, you know, for one of those yep. uh, those mm-hmm. three epic. I was there on the second night, and the next door morning, um, Stan Goldstein's, so you know, had that he did a tour for us, and as we're driving, he says, "Okay, the only person in the car that will care, Jesse." That is uh, Jason Garrett's parents' house. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I went, oh, nice. And so I, I joked, um, I, I supported Jason Garrett as the coach of the Cowboys a lot longer than I should have because he's a huge Springsteen fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that's... really wanted him to do well. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, he's offensive coordinator for the Giants, and, uh, you know, he's, he's living those uh, – those wrecking ball dreams there in the swamps of Jersey. So absolutely. So uh, tell us a little about yourself before we get into uh, your, I, I want to talk about your growing up, but just give us your elevator pitch. Sure. Yeah. Well, currently I'm a sports reporter and host for, uh, as, as you said, spectrum sports 360, which is a half hour sports center style show uh, here in the Orlando and Tampa area. Uh, but originally I am from New Jersey and grew up in the church of Springsteen and um, it's funny when I'm not hosting the show, I'm doing long form human interest stories uh, that are sports related, but at their core, they're about individuals who have overcome adversity, uh, people who are doing really unique things and Springsteen's storytelling methods and his songs have had such a gigantic influence on my personal storytelling Um, So those are all things that I really think about in terms of channeling human emotion when I'm covering stories and covering people. Uh, So even in that crossover, it's it's a weird crossover, but it's it's something that has resonated with me. So I've I've been here for about three years or so in the Orlando area. 
and uh prior to that i did a few years in bangor maine and uh and uh went to school in connecticut over at quinnipiac university so i'm a northeaster at at my heart and uh Bruce Springsteen kind of followed me throughout my entire life here. How are you doing with the pandemic there in Florida? Well, the pandemic doesn't exist in Florida. I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, I'm in Texas, so yeah. I have the same feeling. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's wild here, man. It's you know, it, it all boils down to personal responsibility, and if if some people want to take personal responsibility, then it's great. Uh, if people don't there's not a whole lot I can do about it. And, you know, I, I quite literally talk to people for a living. So I'm out in the field all the time and you get people who get it and you get people who don't. And all I can do is try to be safe and hope that my family stays safe up in New Jersey, which it seems so far they've been able to and vaccines are on the way. So that's good. And yeah, man, just, just trying to get by. I, I hope you're trying to do the same. Yeah, uh, you know, I've shared this on the podcast, but um, starting at the about the middle of May last year, I went back into the office, we are considered uh, essential services, we do roadside assistance, uh, mostly for the RV industry. And so since May, in a lot of ways, life has been normal for me, I get in the car, I drive to the office, you know, we wear a mask if we're not at our desk. Um, They take our temperature every morning when we walk in you know, and answer, you know, a few simple questions. Um, and then, you know, I drive home. The big difference is, you know, no live music, no live sports. Um, very rare, you know, when they started opening restaurants in the fall, we've done a couple, you know, and and it's neat because the restaurants are very limited. And uh, of course, now then the governor has said 100% and you don't need to wear a mask unless you want to. And Welcome to my world, brother. <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh, my son and I, who's a huge sports guy, um, you know, we we're talking about, yes, we want to go to the new Ranger Stadium. You know, we yeah. want to see that park. But at the same time, uh, well, let's let's yeah. get a few more, you know, vaccines in there before that happens. No, I understand that entirely. Yeah, you got that whole new ballpark out there, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. It hosted the World Series, and yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the man. Listen, I, I I'm out there covering real sports in in real time, and it's still awkward being at stadiums, and they they have limited capacity at sporting events here in Florida, but even so, yeah. limited capacity, it's it's just so strange. Were you able to go into the NBA bubble at all since you're? close there or were you did they keep it totally no reporters so they had reporters i think it was like a sixty thousand dollar fee to get into the bubble um but i was reporting from the outside of the bubble like you'd go up to the wide world of sports complex and there'd be like a roped off area where you couldn't go beyond so we'd go right up to that uh but we, we we couldn't go beyond that but that was a crazy experience in and of itself and seeing how these leagues have weathered the storms especially that was all happening in the middle of the black lives matter movement and, yes. and the, the protests and and seeing that convergence was such a, a surreal experience but it's one that i'm going to remember for the rest of my career that's for sure and i promise we're going to get to bruce in a minute you just complimented me like hey i don't normally i'm excited to not talk sports but um <laughs> you know my son and i he was staying with us at the time um 
because of the pandemic. And, you know, so he's, uh, you know, we both are big Luca fans and, you know, so excited about watching the Mavericks when it came back on. And, you know, from our perspective, we loved seeing how the NBA, it felt different. It was almost like you were watching an I, a, a YMCA or like, a, a you know, a sports league, yeah. you know, playing. And then we loved, you know, all the Black Lives Matters and the f- protests and how the NBA said, yes, we, we embrace this. We want you to do this. And the coaches and, and the staff and everything. And so I really felt like they handled that really well. Um, and so, yes, I was really proud. And, you know, we got we got one great game on the, of, uh, with the Mavs in the playoffs. And then they said, okay, move along little one. So <laughs> we'll see what they do this year. So yeah. yeah, the WNBA and the NBA were really at the forefront when it came to social progressiveness uh, in black lives matter and, and all that stuff. So they certainly drew the attention to themselves in, in a way that they got their message out and, it's pretty crazy to think the amount of social change and maybe if not change, but social awareness, at least that we've seen yes. in the past year or so. Yeah. And I think that is well said. And uh, I go back to like when I watched Ken Burns baseball documentary mm-hmm. about the time of Jackie Robinson and, and yep. how baseball at the time was doing that. And then they kind of went back. So it, it's an interesting you know, there was a lot of discussion on the local sports station I listened to here, the ticket about, you know, the NFL head coaches and and what do you do about that? Well, I'll tell you what, and aside from that, and I totally agree with you that that itself is a, is a whole issue in and of itself, but um, growing up uh, in school and college, especially uh, my senior thesis was the intersection of sports patriotism and race which is basically basically Kaepernick 101, right? So yeah. like we've seen this stuff over so much over the course of the past few years. And and I connect this, not not trying to like bring things full circle here, but like I connect this to Springsteen in a big way too, because uh, one of my favorite Springsteen lines comes from Long Walk Home. That flag standing over the courthouse means certain things are set in stone, who we are, what we'll do and what we won't. And I think about that all the time when I'm covering stories that involve that intersection of sports patriotism and the militarization of sports more than anything else. And uh, I actually referenced that line on air recently when I was doing a long form commentary piece about some of that stuff. So uh, it's crazy, man. I mean, you can draw all those parallels, all those things come together and. Well, it's all about Bruce. Let's just face it. I mean, life life is Bruce. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. uh, Like all, all, um, all apologies to the great Ted Lasso uh, show, which I adore. Right. But not football isn't football is live. No Springsteen is life. Right. right. It just, yeah. Oh, well talk to me growing up. You said you grew up in Jersey. Were your family musical? Did what kind of music did you listen to as a kid? So my dad used to work in, in, I don't know how many people remember this, but there used to be a a CD store called uh, coconuts and back back in the day and so I, I should preface by saying i grew up in central jersey i grew up about 15 minutes from freehold as is um so you know springsteen's kind of embedded in the culture there as is but um my my dad managed a music store back in the day before he went into the textile industry and music's always been such a huge part of his life and 
it was never something that he like imparted on me or my mother imparted on me that like you're going to be a Springsteen fan but I was constantly surrounded by it and like I remember in my youngest days being I don't know I'm 28 right now so I remember being maybe two years old or so and my dad in his small purple car and I can like distinctively remember the smell of it like the, the touch of it playing like 57 channels like on loop because he's like this is different this is this is cool and I was like okay so like my first impressions of Springsteen are like 57 channels of like all songs <laughs> like 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 that that's that I was like okay so like for some reason me as a two-year-old that's like such a vivid memory built into my head right now and yeah I can remember them going to the reunion tour when they went to one of the shows at the Continental Airlines Arena when he was doing the sold out residency there. Um, those are like my earliest memories. And then it was just something that I started really picking up on. And I, I was actually a few blocks from the World Trade Center on 9-11. So I was a kid at the time. And those memories are burnt into my head. What were you doing in Manhattan? Or- I just my, So my dad worked in the city at the time. And I just happened to be in the city with him on that one specific day because I was going to go to a chiropractor appointment. And then we were going to go to the Yankee game later that night. And it just happened to be September 11, wow. September 11, 2001. So I'm, I'm close to the World Trade Center. I have those memories just so vividly burnt into my head. So when the rising came out, it was something that I took to immediately, even as a third or fourth grader, however old I yeah. was. And that led to me seeing him in concert for the first time. So I, I so vividly remember those things. And that's where my first connection to Bruce was really formed. So John, did I, it doesn't sound like you went through a rebellion stage where you went, Oh, <laughs> Bruce is my parents' music. I need to find my own. No, I just kind of had it embedded in me of, of what I wanted to listen to. And, and Springsteen was like my first, like real deep dive. Like everyone has like, those one or two bands, one or two acts, yes. they really just like, for me, 1A is ACDC, 1B is Springsteen. So like, those are my two religions and everything. And, right. and I, I, I'm as passionate about ACDC as I am Springsteen. And and ACDC, I, I found a little later in life, probably around like high school or so. But Bruce was kind of that first, like, this is your rite of passage. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a white kid from New Jersey. Like, like you need to love Bruce Springsteen. Like that's, that's just how it's going to be. So I was surrounded yeah. by that. When, when I was an infant, my mom told me that she used to sing man's job to me, but she changed the words to love and use a mom's job. So, oh, how lovely. Yeah, I, so right. So yeah. I, I guess all that stuff is kind of deep down in my brain somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I usually ask is how you find Bruce and what about him spoke to you. But from you, it was just, it was like, where, where did I find oxygen, right? It was just there. <laughs> so it's funny. I started playing music around eighth, ninth grade or so, playing guitar. And I kind of taught myself how to play. And I linked up. Uh, with a buddy of mine in high school and we started playing in the Asbury Park scene a lot uh, a, a guy named Bobby Mahoney uh, and, and and he and I started a band where they're they're still going tight right now and I'm, I'm very proud of them uh, but we really made somewhat of a 
niche name for ourselves in the Asbury Park scene. And as I became more embedded in the Asbury Park scene and playing the Stone Pony and playing the Wonder Bar and playing all these historic Bruce venues, like I, I really went from being a big Bruce fan to like, okay, this is like religious territory for me at this point. Sure. And as I grew as a storyteller and, and started to pursue my career in journalism, I, I, I had always resonated with Bruce's like music and the actual instrumentation of stuff. But that's when I started doing a real big deep dive into the lyrics and, and the individual things that he had to say in each song and thematic elements that would resonate with different elements of my life. And I, I'd say it was as I got to that point, that's when I was like, okay, this man has a, a legitimate effect on me to the point where I went to the Broadway show. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm in full blown tears, just streaming down my face, walking down Times Square afterwards. As my mom's like, you're all right, bro. Like you, you okay there? Yeah. Like, so uh, it really had a very personal effect on me. And, and then I had some personal interactions with him in the Asbury Park music scene too. So I think all those things kind of really helped me push to that point of fandom. Well, good. I can't wait to hear those stories. What I, I, what I think is interesting is, um, you know, I think I have a similar, you know, I, I graduated high school in 77, so I'm older than dirt, you know? And so, um, you know, like, I, you know, discover the river and hungry heart and born in the USA, like everyone else and, and the live box set and tunnel of love. But, but I was kind of like this, like, oh yeah, I like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, he's good. And then 9-11 happened and we had that telethon, right? The, you mm -hmm. know, afterwards where it opens with yeah. Bruce and, and members of the E Street Band singing, you know, My City of Ruin. And I'm just like, this it's, is... you euphoric. I mean, it is. It's like, oh my God, this is perfect. That how, how could any band know the right song to say at such a time you know and then it's funny you find out later it wasn't even about necessarily 9-11 right but it's like that's his universal he is a Rorschach test that you know his music can be mean to different things and so I got the rising and then 2002 was the first time I saw him live and that was it yeah yeah that was that's, you know, song too on that's the rising a, tour. yeah like that's that's all she wrote you know, as to quote him, right? And that's when I became a casual fan to a passionate fan. And then uh, there was a point where, and this is, you're going to laugh, John, but you mean I can drive to a different city to see Bruce perform? I don't have to sit here in Dallas and wish and he would wait perform. for him to come, right? right? Like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I can go to Bruce? I, I didn't know we could do that. And, you know, and so now then my wife was joking with me a couple of weeks ago. She's like, how long has it been since you've seen Bruce live? And I go, it's been not counting Broadway, you know, four years. Yeah. You must be like, he's like, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, I am worried we're not going to pay our mortgage when he starts touring again. Cause it's like, okay, we're just going to have to find a way. You, you mentioned seeing him your first show. I, I always preface this question, John, with the amount of times you've seen him perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. It, 
There are people that have never seen him perform live that are massive fans. And there have been fans that were lucky enough to, you know, find him early in the 70s, living there in the Northeast area, and were able to see him tons of times. But for the record, do you count how many times you've seen him? Um, I have a rough estimate. I, I, I'd have to really, like, go back and think through it. And, like, what do you count? Do you count only street band shows? Do you count, like, like I've seen him, because I've performed with... Um, and, and I've toured with uh, Joe Grushecki's band a couple times. And like, so I, I've seen Bruce like in that setting, like, like does that stuff count? I've seen the Broadway show. So I, I'd say a, a rough estimate, probably around 10 or 11 times, I'd say. And that doesn't count the hours and hours on YouTube that I've spent watching every yeah. single live gig. Uh, yeah, uh, if you want, there is a wonderful website called My Boss Time. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it has every show yeah. ever done, and you can select which ones you've attended. There you and go, it will, and it will do the database for you: what's your song you've heard the most, what song you've heard the least. So it's a fun rabbit hole to That's go awesome. through. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm going to skip to the money shot. Talk to me about working in the playing in the Jersey scene, and how did you guys end up? with Joe DeGrasciecki and meeting Bruce. I mean, but let's go just straight to, I'm going to yeah. forget the appetizers. Let's go straight to the entree. <laughs> um, let me tell you something, man. These were the best moments of my life. I mean, really playing in a band for me, it's such an artistic expression and I don't call myself an artist by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I'm a self-taught rhythm guitarist who learned playing guitar by watching Malcolm Young play Shoot to Thrill. You know, like like that's 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 the extent of what I do. But uh, my fellow bandmate, uh, Bobby Mahoney, who I mentioned, uh, who is still extremely active with Light of Day and all that stuff. Um, he's an incredibly passionate Bruce fan and we broke into the Asbury scene and just through being persistent and playing a lot, uh, got to do some really cool things. And we got to be on the light of day Canada shows um, and, and playing with Joe, Joe Grusecki, uh Pat Travers, um, which I think uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band was on one of the loops we did. Um, just getting to interact with those great people, John Eddie, uh, James Maddock, Willie Nile, all these people who are kind of in that scene. And yeah, they're, they're almost a generation older than me per se, but the music is universal. So, so really getting to play in that, that mix was really such a special experience that I value so much. And my first face-to-face interaction with Bruce was in the 2014 light of day scene where, you know, he would show up to the Paramount theater in Asbury park to do the big show at the end for Bob Benjamin and everything. He'd be a surprise. And I was loading with, with other people. I was helping other people load stuff in and Springsteen shows up in his green range Rover. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I have this in some of my bio. I think I have it in my Instagram bio comes about, this close, maybe a couple inches from running over my left foot. Because <laughs> I guess he didn't see us as he was turning a corner. And he sees us, he stops, rolls down his window and just gives his hearty Bruce chuckle. <laughs> you know, his little Bruce chuckle. So I could say that I was almost run over by Bruce Springsteen. So that's uh, something you got that, that I got going for you, right? We got right, that. I know. 
and then uh, my buddy Bobby ended up playing solo on that show. And uh, I mean, I'm a pretty big Bruce fan, but Bobby's even more so. And he got to guitar tech for Willie Nile on that. And, and Bruce was back there with Willie Nile. So he got to have a face to face interaction with him. And he gave him a great piece of advice that Bobby shared with me. And in life, and, and I don't know, can, can you swear on this show or no? Uh, if you prefer not, I can do the PG-13 version. Yeah, uh, sure. your choice. I'm going to beep if it's the F-bomb. <laughs> okay. I will beep it, or you can do the PG, whatever okay. you want. Well, the PG-13 version is he said, Bobby asked him, what's a good piece of advice you have trying to break into the music industry? And he said, don't F up. And that's his piece <laughs> of advice. As I was, so I've, I've kind of carried that with me, too, in life. Don't F up. And just do uh, get, like, do you think of that before you're going to do a show? Like, okay, as Bruce says, don't, <laughs> don't F up. up. Right. Okay, yeah. Let's go. Uh, right. That's, that's your way of going out there. I think of that when I cover big events, uh, because yes. you got to keep yourself in the moment. Um, but Bobby got to play with Bruce uh, on that stage of hundred people. Bobby is right next to Bruce and he's got on his bicep tattooed. I got this guitar and I learned how to make it talk. And Bruce is playing Thunder Road stripped down acoustic next to him. And I'm watching my best friend up there on stage with Bruce and, and I just start weeping like a baby. I, I'm yeah. almost crying. Oh, just dude, hearing the story. It, it was, right? it was surreal. And I mean, I've had a couple other small interactions with him over the years, but that was like such a memory that was living through my friend. And like, yes. I think it speaks to the power of Bruce's aura, right? Like, like that um, little moment like that can mean so much. You know what I find interesting, John, is when I hear stories about this, there is such a small percentage of fandom because there's always those people, but most people are just joyous for that experience, mm -hmm. not jealous. Oh, I wish that could happen to me. Or, or they may say that, Oh, how I'd love that to happen, but they truly are happy for you or your friend, not damn it. Why did you get to do that? And not me versus on other uh, fandoms I think it would be less generous and I yeah. think that's partly because uh, people who love Bruce tend to be and you know I've done five years of interviews just people that love music and love what's good about his music sure and I mean a I got my interaction with him he almost killed me so that was yeah cool. hey there you go <laughs> and then and then and there were other interactions like I said that I'd have later on uh Ed Mannion joined us on stage to do a sax solo over a song that we wrote and like okay. what a great oh, incredible oh, wow. experience yeah. that was you know so like and that was at a sold out show in toronto at the elma combo and and i mean what an amazing experience that was so i value my years playing in that scene i left the band uh because i needed to pursue my real life passion from the start i've known since i was five years old that i wanted to be a sports broadcaster so that's kind of what i had to do and i did it but every now and then it's always fun before unfortunately the world shut down with this pandemic it's always fun to go home and play with them and we actually got to do a springsteen tribute show uh or thanksgiving time 2017 at the wonder bar and we just, they're like, what five songs do you want to play? So I'm like, yeah, we're going into the archives. Like, we're going deep. We're whipping out. We whip out Held Up, held up Without a Gun. We whip out Roll the Dice. Like, I'm living life. I'm, I'm very happy. So, yeah, man, what a great experience playing in, in the Asbury scene. Oh, I bet. I bet that's a wonderful memories. And, yes, I'm thinking of you. Um, I, I, and I always worry I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. And I don't mean it that way. But, um, you know, E Street Radio's Be the Boss. Mm -hmm. right 
uh, my one of my best friends, Sam, and I will be in the car and we're listening to it. And someone will, of their five songs will pick Thunder Road. And we're like, why are you wasting, oh, no. like, no, why no, are you no. wasting that slot? Everyone would Dude, pick Thunder Road, right? Like, me, like, 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 I remember Bobby and I went to uh, the Hershey concert. Yeah, uh, in 2014 on the High Hopes tour, and we were right there, front, middle in the in the pit. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, sign requests. We're doing this, and like, you know, people will be like, yeah, like, uh, give me Land of Hope and Dreams. I'm like, no, we're doing It's a Shame. Like, like, I'm like, like, we're going on. Like, if I want to play Bruce, I want obscure Bruce that's going to mean something to me. So yes. yes, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, but like, yes, that's all of us think that way about Thunder Road, right? Like, right. absolutely, that goes without saying. Um, you know, uh, interesting thing: the first seven shows I attended, he did not play Thunder Road. I have never seen Rosalita live. Wow, is that insane or what? That I've is never insane. Seen Rosalita live. Like, if I go on to like two Bruce shows, it's one thing. Yeah, but I think I've been to more than enough to be able to qualify to see Rosalie. Yeah, right. So like, right, like, and and I think that's my point. Um, I yes, if I'm holding a sign, I'm holding um, this is your sword, or right, right, know, right, or, right. Play Daniel's Den, right? Like, <laughs> like I may be the only person in the world, but I would love to hear, you know. Uh, so. Um, my, my favorite sign story is we were in Nashville, I guess, 2014. Oh, is that the show with, uh, burning love and, uh, yes. satisfaction? Oh, yes. that's one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen clips. It is. It's great. But there was a kid that had a sign. It's my 19th birthday. Play the river. And we're like, okay, have you listened to the song? <laughs> like, just because you're 19, this is not a happy birthday song. No, no, no it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> that's funny. What a yeah, great show that was, though. Very jealous oh, you got to be at that yes. one. And, and to tell you how spoiled we can be, um, I really thought, since it was in Nashville, that someone from the Nashville music community might come in for the encore. Mm -hmm. Like, I was spoiled. My very first show uh, was 2002, The Rising in Dallas. And... Um, Don Henley was living in Dallas oh, wow. at the time and he showed up for the encore and they did I Fought the Law together. That's super cool. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And then one time in Dallas, Bon Jovi was playing the next night. There you and go. John joined him and they did Glory Days together. How fun is that? So, yeah. That's so awesome. that was a lot of fun. Um, so let's talk about um, what are what are what are songs or albums that have mean a lot to you or before we do that let's talk about the last two western stars and letter to you what are your thoughts on those by the way before i even say that, i just looked up that set list of that show that you had this is a hell of a set list I'm it very was happy. a great show yes <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, man you got to see darkness on the edge of town further on up the road that's good stuff it um, was great stuff yes so what do i what do i think of letter to you and western stars so I think Letter to You is really just for someone at that stage in their career. I think Letter to You is just such an exceptional effort. And like you feel the power of the E Street band on that more than you had in probably 20 plus years on a record. And, you know, it's almost, and to throw it back to sports for a minute, it's like, how the hell can Brady win another Super Bowl right. at this age? 
mm-hmm. then you go, how can Bruce and the band, I mean, it's a great album, not, oh, for its age, it's a great album. It's just a no, great album. No, absolutely. And yeah. you feel the band, and I love Bruce dearly, but there are times yeah. where I think he tries to do things just for the sake of doing things to see if they work or not, which is fine. Every musician yeah. reserves the right to do that. Um, but like at its core, like I just love the E Street Band sound. Like Darkness on the Edge of Town is my favorite Springsteen album. And like Darkness on the Edge of Town, that's the E Street Band sound. Like that is... Yes. That is E Street Band, the way it should be played. And Letter to You feels that. Like when I first heard Letter to You, the little piano descend that Roy does in that, I was like, that's that's the promise. That's darkness on the edge of town. Like that is it right there. Um, I really like the album a lot. I think If I Was the Priest is one of the greatest songs he's ever written. Um, and what now I, that we know the context of it too. It no, but I do. And, and like I said, um, If I Was the Priest is what um, – outlaw pete wanted to be yeah yeah. you know i just this western epic i agree i when i got the album you know and i'm putting on my headphones at work and i'm playing it and i would just play songs over and over again and if i was the priest just the way that was built and uh you know and that that break and where max does the drums you know Mm -hmm. and in crescendo you're like god that is amazing the dynamic movement on that song is incredible. And the, the letter to you documentary actually showed how they came up yeah. with that dynamics on that. And I, I just thought that was great. Um, I think it's a great album. I like it more than Western stars, Western stars. My dad is enamored with, he thinks it's just incredible. And like, I appreciate what Bruce was trying to do with Western stars. It doesn't hit as much with me personally. I think there's maybe five songs on Western Stars that I really like, and the rest are kind of just there for me. Um, I It's funny, I mentioned that Hershey show when we went that day, Springsteen posted to Instagram a picture of him recording with a mariachi band. I was like, oh, I wonder when we're ever going to hear that. So then when I'm playing Western Stars for the first time and the Wayfarer comes on, I hear, I was like, Oh my God, there it is. There's the mariachi band. I've waited five years for that. Um, but but um, I love the Wayfarer. Uh, I, I love There Goes My Miracle. I love Tucson Train. I think Western Stars, the song itself, is just a beautiful and somewhat heartbreaking song in a way, too. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sundown's a great song. But overall, I, I would much prefer Larry to you to Western Stars. Well, and, you know, what I, I've shared is that growing up, my parents, my mom especially, loved Glenn Campbell and mm. Jimmy Webb. And so this was right in my wheelhouse. And I could see how your dad might, like, you know, because of the age difference, you know, they do. What I love is... Um, and as much as you, you 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 just talked a little bit about this, John, you know, he did not do Darkness or Born to Run or Born in the USA over and over and over again. You know, he's you know, he did Nebraska. He did the Seeger Sessions. You know, he did, you know, Western Stars. Uh, you know, he's continued to push himself as an artist to try mm-hmm. different things um, that I think um, – should be admired not criticized you know i know um in fact i have this i have this theory i want i have this idea to do a fake bruce um you know i'm a big fan of the ticket and they do fake characters all the time they do the fake jerry jones or (laughs) you know the fake jason garrett or and they and i 
I feel like I should do a fake Bruce Springsteen fan that, you know, just pff, nothing since darkness has been any good, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, God. And look, there are those fans. There, there, there are. are. And like, I'll admit, I'm like a full, like, born in the USA dissenter. Like, like for me, yeah. born in the USA just like doesn't do it. And and I, I think that's cool that there are some so many different things like that Bruce brings to the table that people will resonate with or they'll be like, nope, this doesn't do it for me. I mean, my mom's two favorite Springsteen songs are Thunder Road and then Bobby Jean. So it's yeah. like, OK, like I can get into it for my mother, like when when I'm with her or stuff like that. But generally speaking, there is stuff. But then there's also been stuff, Jesse Laird, like I'm like, I don't care much for this, like Tunnel of Love stuff, like it didn't do much for me. And then all of a sudden, as I experienced new things in life, holy crap, did that change. And like one of the most impactful songs that I've ever listened to in my life that had a real tangible effect on my life is Brilliant Disguise. And lyrically, it, 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 it literally grafted how I made certain life choices. So I think that's one of the most amazing things about Bruce's music and as we age in life we experience things differently and we look at things differently where material that didn't hit with us in the past maybe does later you know when I had a guy say that you had to go through a few heartbreaks before you understand Tunnel to Love yeah or at least experience some life you know what me Independence Day was never a song that spoke to me Mm -hmm. like eh it's okay you know huh then I saw it on the river, you know, the river, the second river tour. And I'm talking about how, um, you know, two people wanting that loved each other dearly didn't know how to communicate. And I thought of my son at 17 and 18 and my wife, his mom, Mm -hmm. just, they could not, I mean, they just fought all the time. I, one of my favorite stories is he has just finished his sophomore year in college and he was doing mediocre at best. That would be kind. And I looked at Linda and I said, you know, we're spending a lot of money to him to go to college. Are we trying to put a square peg in a round hole? Is he college material? And she said, if he came home, I will kill him or he will kill me. College <laughs> is cheaper than an attorney. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then the next, the very next semester, it clicked for him. Yeah. And he ended up graduating, you know, but so when I heard Independence Day and the idea that Bruce is older than his father was at the time he wrote this. So he wrote it as a young man now singing it from the you know older perspective. I fell in love with the song. So I think you're absolutely right, John, that just sometimes the music meets you when you need it. And I'll tell you this, this is going to sound absolutely heinous here. So please don't judge me. But like, yeah. I, for the longest time, not that I disliked it because I didn't yeah. dislike it, but I was always just kind of whatever with Born to Run the song. I was like, it's his big hit. Okay, it's cool. It's like the same thing with ACDC with me. It's like, you shook me all night long as their big massive hit. But it's like, okay, that, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. Right. Then I read the autobiography at a time I was going through a really rough breakup. And understanding the context of born to run and what he went through with that and the line someday girl i don't know when we're going to get to that place where we really want to go it hit in a way that it never did before and then come broadway i'm looking at it i'm watching him play it stripped down in front of 800 people and that's it like i melted and now i think it's the most perfect song ever written so it's just funny well what what i get a lot of crap about is 
um, Jungle Land doesn't speak to me. Okay. I recognize the brilliance of it. I recognize mm -hmm. just the way it's built and how it musically, but it doesn't speak to me the way other songs do. Sure. And so, um, and the other thing, I, I've shared this many times, but, you know, you see the set list because I'm that kind of guy, right? Like, I don't want to go in surprised. I want to read the set list. So I had saw the set list of Broadway because I didn't think I was ever going to go. Ended up getting to go. But before I went, I'm like, really? Why is he doing Dancing in the Dark? I mean, it's of all the songs. amazing acoustically. It's right? amazing. Like, like, you're like, why, though, of all the songs, mm -hmm. why would he do that? But then I said, I should never question him because he talks about, you know, sometimes you got to do like my mom did put on your dancing shoes, you know, to fight the, you know, and then going to land of open dreams. The you know. transition. I literally, as you just said that my hair stood up on my arm. Right. Like, oh. and, and I will tell you, John, sometimes when I'm in a bad place, I will pull up that two song, you know, mm -hmm. together oh, just to give me a shot of, okay, there is good in this world. It's going to be okay. You know, you know, all this darkness passed, right? So absolutely. See, I've done the same exact thing. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. If you want to go four hours, we can go four <laughs> hours. I don't care. So, that is great. So I'm, I'm so glad. I'm with you, man. I'm with yeah. you. Um, so what I do want to know, what brought you down to Orlando? I mean, you know, here, this New Jersey boy and like, yeah, yeah is that just because the, there was a gig there for you? Yeah, it, it's all part of the career, you know, when you, you want to be on air and want to be on television, you kind of have to go where the jobs take you. And yeah. I, I went to college, graduated from Quinnipiac, and then immediately after college, I was working as a producer for MLB Network, Major League Baseball Network, um, and that was a great gig, and I really thoroughly, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. But I was behind the scenes and I knew I wanted to be on air. So I had just kind of had to put the pieces together first. Uh, and then I went to Bangor, Maine. I was there for three years. Uh, you got to go to the small town America, which I mean, we're talking about a guy here in Bruce, too, who he writes about those things, even though he never even experienced it in some right. degree. And so I got to experience some of those things and see a different perspective of life that I'd never been given before. And that was so valuable to get that. Oh, I bet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, after that, uh, I was fortunate enough to get this gig here in Orlando. Um, so, you know, much higher media market. And yeah, man, um, now I, I tell myself all the time, someday I don't know when, but I'm going to get to that place. And uh, yeah. that's that's my kind of calling card in life. And my friends probably roll their eyes whenever they hear me say that, but I say it all the time. And yeah, it, it's been uh, certainly something that I, I hold close to my heart. And that's one of the things that my family and uh, people I work with at whatever job I've had is you truly can find a Bruce connection in almost anything. In anything. In anything. In fact, I, I just tweeted this morning. Um, uh, I do another podcast where we do a lot of discussion about um, comic book television shows and so we're covering mm -hmm. the current wandavision yeah and uh i i tweeted a link to i'll see you in my dreams there like, you go. we will bring this up when we're discussing that's so funny you mentioned that because i watched the finale uh yesterday and yeah. yeah and i mean you're right that i mean that hits hard with that too 
it does. It absolutely does. Or death is not the end. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, bonding over Bobby Jean, which I love. Right, that you you're joyous because you may not care for the song, but you know your mom does, so you do. Are there other songs that have a special meaning to you or your family that you kind of, you know, since you guys are a Jersey fam, you know, a Bruce family? Yeah, I mean, I told you personally. For me, "Brilliant Disguise" is a song that yeah. it's really, really hard, um, in in both a good and kind of a heartbreaking kind of way. Um, sure. For in terms of my actual family, uh, my mom and I have both always bonded over Land of Hope and Dreams. Um, I think that is his modern day born to run. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. You can say modern day, but he wrote it 20 plus years ago at this point. Yes. But I think that's kind of his modern day born to run. And, and that song, it, it, I hate to say it plainly here, but it, it's hopeful. And like, it gives it you is. something to actually buy into. And that's always been a special one. Um, trying to think here i mentioned thunder road because that, that's one that my mom and i hit with my mom and i are, are particularly close i'm close to my dad too but but especially my mom and i think sh she kind of listened to bruce on a more surface level she loved him and he was one of her favorites but she'd always joke with me she'd be like how do you understand some of the deep the, like the deep meaning of some of this stuff and then as i've like expanded my fandom and i start to explain some of these songs to her she starts to hear it and that's a really cool experience for me as a music fan where like i was able to turn that on to someone who's like okay now i hear that song in a totally different way than i've been hearing it for 30 plus years so there are a lot of songs that we'll listen to it's, it's hard to kind of come off the top of my head but um the rising and lonesome day i think Catfish dancing on the end of my line is one of the greatest lines like ever written. And what an image, isn't it? it? And that's exactly it. It's imagery, right? So I think about that with my writing, with what I do for a living and, and telling these stories of human emotion. And I, I have the benefit of using images to write, but I always have to match what I write to that image. So when you have a situation like what Springsteen has, where he has to use imagery in his writing to get you to picture that to get you feel that man it's incredible so i'd say the rising is probably one of those songs too so i'm going to change curve just for a minute what what is on your wish list of of <laughs> events you haven't covered yet events i haven't covered in yeah, like the sports sort of world? world yeah um i would love to cover the world series i haven't gotten to do that that's baseball is my favorite sport so so getting to cover the world series would be really special to me. Um, I've covered the NFL playoffs. I've covered the NBA playoffs. I've covered the Daytona 500. Um, I think the world series is probably top bucket list for me, which it's, it, I know baseball isn't really all that it used to be in a lot of fans minds, but for me, it's, it's such a deep connection. I connect to baseball like I do Bruce. So, well, and, Baseball, as the beautiful Ken Burns documentary talks about, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a mother, daughter, father, son, parent, child connection. Like my son and I, I took him to baseball games every, for the longest time, you know, opening day when we could get tickets, it was when the Rangers were really bad. I always pulled him out of school on opening day and we went to opening day together. And, you know, I, cause I always made the argument, 
whatever he learned one day in school, he's going to get more that he spent the day with his dad at a ballpark, you know, knowing yeah. that together. And, yeah, that's great. Yeah, exactly. So I, I agree with that. Is that what has so far in your career been the holy S moment? I can't believe I'm getting to cover this. Ooh. I will say, I don't know if, if I've had the moment of, I can't believe I'm covering this because you get desensitized a lot. Sure. But the moment where I said, oh my God, I can't believe I'm covering this as in this is unfolding in front of my eyes was probably last year's Daytona 500. I don't know if you're a racing fan or not, but um, Ryan Newman suffered a final lap crash where he went airborne and it was this fiery crash that the entire sports world saw. And I ended up capturing video of it on my cell phone. I just happened to be shooting the final lap on my phone. The video went like 8 million views on social wow. media and everyone thought he was dead. Everyone thought he was dead. And I was live across the country like 11 times that night. Trying. To, I, 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 it was and I can relate this to Bruce, too. And sure. I'll try to here. I'll do it in a very roundabout way here. That's all right. But what I had seen in front of me was this heartbreaking, tragic moment. And there are a lot of people that can go on air in a situation like that and be like, well, it was on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Ryan Newman crashed on the went airborne, blah, blah, blah. But I said to my producers that night, I said, I'm not. By the way, going- I love you just did your official announcer voice. Oh, and, and I don't speak like that on camera. I know you but don't, I but I just love that. Like, and I think it's very personal that you need to, like how I'm speaking to you right now is how I sound on camera. Exactly. Like, that is how I talk because I think that's how you connect to people. Absolutely. So, so rather than me talking like this. And, you I know, do like, now want a fake uh, John like and okay. now on set Leslie Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Your host, Jesse Jackson. Your host, <laughs> Jesse <laughs> Jackson. Yeah. No, we, I mean, we could do all that too. Continue. But... I'm sorry, brother. brother. No, no, you're good. That's, that's, I, I like that diatribe. Um, so I could go out there and script out something like what I'm going to say. But I told the producers, I said, just have the anchor ask me a question. I don't know what they're going to ask me. Just have them ask me a question and I'm going to react in a human way. And it was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done on camera because I I mean, I was shaken. I thought I had just seen a guy die in front of me. Yes. And we lucked out that he ended up being okay. But I I was fortunate enough to actually get nominated for an Emmy for that stuff because I decided that the personal human vulnerability was more valuable than trying to be super composed and all that stuff. And I think that's a lesson that I've taken from Bruce because I've seen that vulnerability on stage when he breaks things down in the middle of a song and he's growing up on Broadway. Perfect example of that. And he starts talking about the moment where he knew that he couldn't waste his mother's hard earned money. It was a very real, like, vulnerable moment of, man, I'm kind of a crappy person for doing this to my mom. That kind of stuff, I I take that performance art and I try to incorporate it with how I present myself on television. And that was a moment where I I think I did that. You need a little human touch. No doubt. Um, One of my favorite moments um, is Houston 2014 
someone put up a sign saying one step up mm -hmm. and um and he if you google it um he makes a joke we do not know this you have made your bed sir and he he starts playing it and he pulls patty aside to start singing and you hear him say band come in gently right like and you could see that you know they truly have not yeah. practiced this song you know and it was the high hopes wrecking ball so it was this huge was, and they were playing all these songs yeah, that East yeah. Street Band orchestra so yeah that's great yeah um he's gonna tour again knock on wood um excluding letter to you because we all want to see those songs live sure and you've already shared Rosalita. What are other songs you hope to see live that you haven't gotten to see? And it's funny because it's like it's not even like Rosalita is like a song I'm like in love with. It's just like I want to be able to say I've seen Bruce Springsteen play Rosalita, right? Like I want to be able to do the claps, you know? Like, like I got to be able to do that. Um, so I have some weird obscure songs that I'm just like, yeah, like I'm I'm praying for these things. Uh, I told you it's a shame for some reason. I love that song off the Promise. I think that's like the beautiful Stevie Bruce dynamic and just the groove. I mean, that that's that's up there for me. Uh, Roll the Dice, I think, is a... People hear Roll the Dice and they hear it, they think it's like this big poppy party song. But when you listen to the lyrics of Roll of the Dice, it's there's like a degree of hope and there's a degree of hopelessness as well that I think is like beautifully striking in, in a funny way. And I'm so mad because I turned down tickets to go to the the second Mohegan Sun that Mo, Mohegan Sun show that ended the High Hopes tour because I, I couldn't be there. And that show is like the greatest set list ever played. Like if you want to know what a John Alba set list should look like, go to that show and like that's exactly it. Um, and you could have been there. I could have been there. Um, I've I think I've heard Darkness on the Edge of Town live, but it was at my first Springsteen show, so my memory of it is not super vivid and. I, I've heard him play it with the Grishecki band, but I'd really like to hear him play it with the East Street band. And I'm, I'm sad that he doesn't play it too much because um, that that is my Springsteen album. Um, man, yeah, I mean, I would love to experience Man's Job with my mom. I think that would be a really great experience. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'd have to think on that a little more. I'd love to hear Lion's Den for some reason. Like I, Lion's Den I've always found is a fun song. And yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. There's just so many odd, peculiar ones. I'm like, pull it out. Let's see. Let's see what you got. Well, you know, Lion's Den, as I said, you know, I was talking about Daniel and the Lion's Den. I love that song. I don't know why. It just, it's a fun song. It's a very fun song. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I often think, you know, and we we're we're overthinking but i want to be where the bands are after this all this pandemic you know i would love to you know do that someone on the show uh, a couple of smart asses said that he should start every set with tequila <laughs> <laughs> when he goes live yeah. um thoughts on the g-pad did you have feelings one way or another i mean i could listen to bruce talk like that and fall asleep to that every night, you know, yes. <laughs> like, like, I mean, easily, I think, and, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep into politics here, especially as, as a impartial journalist, but I, I think there are some times where Bruce, quite frankly, can be a little naive to the 
social setting and structure of certain things because you know he grew up a certain way and like he is a certain type of liberal versus like the more moderate versus like maybe fully understanding the depth of some of that other stuff that happens on like what we were talking about before like the black lives matter stuff and like like i think he's kind of of the impression of we just need to be united. And there's a lot of people who think that way. And like, in theory, that's a great way to live life, but there are so many more layers to that. Right. So there's one side of the aisle that was so offended by, Oh, how could Bruce dare be calling for this? Like, Oh, there's the Hollywood elite. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, does he quite understand the depth of, what it would take to actually find that middle ground, given how polarized our country is. So I, I, I just kind of watched it and was like, okay, it's a nice message in theory, but there's a lot more depth to this than, than what is being covered. Yeah. I think um, once again, I, I, I think one of the biggest problems that as a country we have is most people want to believe the best of themselves and the worst of others. Like sure. I have the best intentions, but you, on the other hand, don't have any at all. Um, it, I don't remember who tweeted this, but someone said the extreme reactions from both the far right and the far left about Bruce's Jeep uh, commercial tells you how far away from the middle we yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Like both sides were offended. Yep. Like one, how dare this guy call for middle ground when he's been horrible against Donald Trump and others. Oh, how dare we call for middle? Did, did that mean we're supposed to embrace racist and all this? Right. Like, uh, so I, yeah, I thought almost, I will kid you, not kid you, John. I thought it might be fake because it looked like it was pulled straight from Western stars movie. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, did someone kind of just do this together? So um, I like you, I, I love the message and um, I understand what he was trying to say. I just think there's just more depth to it than yes. what was presented. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. What have I not, what have I not asked you that I should have? I don't know, man. Um, I I just it's funny because I don't consider myself a spiritual person. Okay. I'm, I'm not a religious person. Um, so when you don't have those things in your life, you look for something that's going to give you the equivalent fulfillment of religion or of spirituality. And I find that in the music that talks to me. And like I said, there's ACDC, which is it's, it's so funny because ACDC is so like thematically different than Bruce Springsteen, but I have them and I have what Bruce does. And it it provides me with so much emotional vulnerability. I, I get emotional listening to Springsteen music. Um, I mean, Jesus, the letter to you film, the first 30 seconds you get that earth real music and then all of a sudden it's a slow zoom in on his ranch and Colt's neck and there I am just bawling like a baby watching it. And I'm just like, I don't experience that with a lot of other things, you know? Um, so I, I can't stress enough just how much purpose this has given me, especially in the field where I am so enamored with work and what I do. And I kind of have to give 110% of my soul to what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. So to have that escape and, and to have someone who can speak to me at that level 
it's it's really special and um i feel like the fact that i got to be up close in that jersey music scene really added to that specialness for me kind of a special blessing that you've received yeah it is and it sucks that when i have kids or 20 years from now they're not going to get to experience some of these same things that i got to but i think there are lessons that i've learned through listening to bruce that are going to sit with me for the rest of my life that i will be sure to impart on others and values right and and understanding and and what i love about springsteen music and I'm, i'm sure you probably agree with this there is a degree of empathy in Springsteen music. And empathy is something we lack so much in society right now. We, we lack the ability to feel not for other people, but feel with other people. And I, that's what, man, Bruce, Bruce hits so hard with that stuff because I feel him feeling with me. Yes. Whether he meant it or not, I feel him feeling with me. Yeah, and I, I value that so much. I think well said, well said. Um this has been so much fun but before i let you go i gotta ask you the mary question so if you are a fan of john's work and you're listening to this going what is the mary question uh i'll give it to you uh john uh, jay armstrong is an honors english teacher uh that just recently retired in the philadelphia area and every year every school year he would have his senior English honors English class break apart Thunder Road as if it was a poem. They talk about the lyrics. They talk about the imagery. They talk about the themes of the poem. They compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, and then and other Amer- great American poems. And then at the end of the two days, he looks at the class and says, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So, John, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? Oh my God! I've, I've never. I, 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 I'm like I'm like going through it right now. Oh my God! Putting me on the spot here. How does Mary get in the car? I think she does. I think she does. And. Not to like divert from this, but no, that's that's this is your point. Yes, you this is your essay question. Yeah, (laughs) like I think she does, and like you said, they break it down like poetry. I think Springsteen music is poetry. Amen. Absolutely. And and like whether it's a haiku or whatever, like like there is no other form of music that I listen to that I think the words read like poetry in that sense there's one other band i will say and i'm sure you're familiar with them given their connection to bruce but uh the gaslight anthem yes and the handwritten album um the song handwritten particularly um there's a line did you want to drive without a word in between i can understand you need a minute to breathe just to sew up the seams after all this defeat man what a line and that reads as poetry. And, and I think Bruce does the same for me. So I'd have to really like to get back to the question. Like I'd have to really like analyze and, and, and break it down more. But I, I think, yeah, I, I think so. And 
if if Mary doesn't want to get in the car, I'll sure get in the car with Bruce. You know, I don't care. That's that's cool. Maybe he wants to drive. I'll, I'll drive down. I'll drive down Route Nine in that Challenger. I don't care, man. Let's do it. So uh, thank you. That's a great answer. Um, I did want to share one of my guests said she absolutely gets in the car. They drive west, and he believes Moonlight Motel is the end of their story. Oh, that Mary okay. has passed away. They have spent their life together, and he's gone to remember her. Well, and again, someday, I don't know when we're going to get to that place. I think that's part of the journey, right? And Absolutely. I mean, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful analysis that is, uh, the, the Moonlight Motel. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something that he consciously thought about, but I think the beauty of this kind of open-ended music is that you draw your own conclusions as to what this is and what is the promised land. The promised land is something different for everyone, right? Yes. The promised land for me uh, is... I, I view the promised land as kind of a myriad of things, but getting to the point that I want to in my career and having a life, a stable life with normality. I've never known normality in my career. I work incredibly strange hours, six to seven days a week. Sometimes I've never known what normalcy is. So maybe that's my promised land, but maybe your promised land is something totally different from that. And that's what I love. So John, are you enjoying the journey though? I have made sure to remind myself that I need to enjoy the journey because there are times where I don't and I need to remember that I need to. Because I'm sure you get asked this all the time. Oh, what's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? And it's kind of hard to do, but I've come up with a, uh, my pat answer, which is true. Land of hope and dreams, mm -hmm. better days. Oh, I love better days. And, uh, and then the third song changes depending on what day it is. And that's the answer I usually give to people that ask. But Better Days to me is about enjoying the journey. That too many people spend their lives saying, well, when my, when my career is stable, then I'm going to be happy. When I find the perfect you know, life mate, then I'll be happy. When the kids get out of diapers, then I'm going to enjoy parenting versus no, you got to enjoy all of it because it is, it is the journey. Life is the journey. And every step of that is something that you, you don't get to relive. So better days is kind of one of my theme songs about that to enjoy the journey the, the joke that people say hey could you do a 15 minute ted talk without any uh without any notice yep just give me the lyrics to better days i could talk for 15 minutes <laughs> I, I actually used the lyrics to better days recently on air uh talking about uh, some of the social justice stuff going on in sports and so I, I i think that's funny that you mentioned that and i think that's a great way to look at it man and i i try to tell myself to enjoy that a little more every now and then because there are days where it gets really really hard oh, you know no i was just i didn't mean to interrupt you but no, you're fine. it's i always i always appreciate the fact that and every once in a while we'll talk about that yes being an on-air personality or being a talk show host is not like you're roofing houses in the summer but Correct. it is work yeah I mean, there there is work involved and it can be mentally and even sometimes physically straining. And uh, while you may love what you do, that doesn't mean some days it doesn't feel like work and you go, damn, I need an adult beverage or damn, I need to just get away from everything for a minute. Yeah. And 
what I do for a living, putting myself on camera, I mean, it does take a degree of vulnerability where people are going to be judgmental of you. People are going to say things about you. People yes. are going to be critical of you. People are going to tell you you're no good at what you do. Um, and I mean, I'll be frank and honest with you, and I, I don't mind talking about this because I, I speak about it openly on social media because I think it's important that people know this stuff. But uh, I battle mental health issues and I've, I've battled. I've had some serious bouts with depression in the past few years, especially. And Bruce is someone that I have turned to as an outlet that allows me to examine that emotional side of me and, and maybe look for some clarity in some of the things that I do. And it helps sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, I do try to tell myself, bringing this back to the original point, that I have, a, I have a quote that I use all the time. And it's something Bruce could have written, but he didn't. Um, from Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Boston Celtics. He said it after game seven of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals after his Celtics lost to the Cavaliers and they were knocking on the door of the NBA Finals. And he said, the pain is part of the path. And I just, what a quote, right? The pain is part of the path. And I think that's something that's going to sit with me forever. And like I said, Bruce could have written that one. Maybe that's a song. Maybe I'll pitch it to Bruce. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot a little message over there to uh, the ranch and see. Maybe we can get a song out of that. I, I like that. That's very, that's very cool. And it relates to what you were talking about, too, with, you, with your son, too. You know, yeah. going through what he did in college. There were painful things that happened, but it's part of that path. And guess what? Someday, you don't know when, but you're going to get to that place you really want to go. Yes. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, John, if someone wants to reach out to you, hear some of your work, how can they? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John Alba, J-O-N-A-L-B-A. Uh, lose the H-H's are for losers. We don't need any of that out here. Um, and uh, on Facebook, John Alba, multimedia journalist. Those are probably the two best ways to uh, connect with me. My DMs are always open. Uh, on Instagram, J-O-N underscore A-L-B-A. And whether it's talking sports, life, uh, Springsteen, uh, I'm down. And and again, a lot of the things I do outside of just hosting the show, I do human interest storytelling. And there are amazing stories of people doing incredible things or overcoming adversity. And I love sharing that with people. Oh, good. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um the uh, by the way, I, when I saw your name spelled, I thought of a. I have a real good friend who is an artist and a writer, and he's he's had very successful online comics. And but his name is Tom Zoller. It's T H O M. He spells it T H O M, okay. and he always makes the joke, "Oh, you spell Tom the correct way with the H." And so I, I, I thought went, of you, I went John. The H. I yes, went exactly. The H. I said John is spelling his the right way without the H. So. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I, my friend, this was a blast. I agree with you. We could go hours, uh, and I'm and I'm sure we will if something new comes up. I would love to visit with you any time. You know, if you think about it, I know nothing about ACDC. So if, if in a month or so you want to join me and okay. give me like to talk about what you found about it and what about it, that would be a great hour of discussion, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, and I'll end with this because I know we got to wrap up. But I one day was sitting in my dorm room and I had a dream that Bruce Springsteen covered Highway to Hell. And then... <laughs> No exaggeration, a week later, I wake up to see the pro shot video of him playing Highway to Hell down in Australia on the High Hopes tour. That was it. My world's connected, 
and I I could die happy after that. So I was going to ask you about that, but I was like, no, I wonder, it's like, you know, it's one of those things like, um, like I, I have a feeling that, and I will bet money, if you go to a singer, if you go to someone on stage at a bar, you a band or just someone on a guitar and you throw five bucks in the tip jar and go, can you do a Springsteen song? They will probably do I'm on fire. I mean, just it seems like that's something very easy yeah. for them to learn, you know. And I and I, you know, I kind of okay, yeah. So, I just love my eyes, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I was so surprised once when um, a guy said, "Oh, we'll do tougher than the rest." Oh, there you man, go. Great. Okay, now we're talking. And then I was so surprised. I was. We were in New Orleans, and the lady was bringing around the tip jar they had been playing and i was telling her how much we enjoyed and my wife said go ahead ask and she, she says what i said well i'm a huge springsteen fan and every time we go somewhere she goes oh atlantic city is one of my favorite songs i'll do that for you, you. i was like wow okay <laughs> so anyway i was thinking like you're like highway to hell sure sure but i guess to have your your two worlds meet was something special it was perfect and actually highway to hell is a super important song to me because that's a song that i heard it and i said i gotta go pick up a guitar so 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 having having that those everything combined it was perfect It, it could not have been any better there was a point a few years ago where Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys was touring and Bruce got on stage with him and I've told people if I had been in that audience, forget seeing my son getting married, forget having grandkids. <laughs> like at that point, Brian Wilson and Bruce Wings on the same stage, take me what, away. What song did they do? Uh, he did um, it, like Barbara Ran or something. I mean, he was oh, just okay. playing guitar. It was just the. I'm like, oh, if God. Bruce is out there singing God Only Knows, I'm like, man, that's going to send me into euphoria. Holy moly. There's a very early bootleg of him doing when i grow up to be a man okay which is very fun very nice. so, so okay we're going long but i have to tell it's you the story so i had no 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 i, I apologize to you. no 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 this i apologize so um i had a guy on the phone uh, on the show a few about a month or so ago huge bgs fan oh i love the bgs yes love the BGs. i did yeah and so david talked about that um he really liked Bruce's doing staying alive. You know? I loved it. Yeah. He liked it. He said, he says, I think he says often when I, cause he says, when I read the story that that was one of the ways they wanted to do it in that style, but they ended up doing different for the movie. And I said, Oh, okay. He said, but I do need to tell you a fun story. He says, I've never, I've only seen, I've never seen the Bee Gees live. But I was able to go to Barry Gibb concert once. He says, and he did I'm on fire that night. And do you you know the story behind that? No. Well, Tim. So well, it, Bruce did staying alive. And I think it was Barry in Boston that week was like, hey, everyone's talking about this cover that Bruce did of us. Why don't I do one for him? Yes. So he did I'm on fire and man, I I love the Bee Gees. Uh, their One Night Only live album is one of my most listened to live albums ever. And uh, yes, yeah. I think Barry just has the most incredible voice. And uh, yeah. 
absolutely. And I love the documentary that HBO mm-hmm. just yep. had on them. But Absolute. anyway, so my friend David is like, and I got to admit, Jesse, I was bitter because this is the only chance I've ever had to hear Barry Gibb. And he's doing a cover. He's doing Bruce. Uh. <laughs> he said, there are so many songs I want to hear him do. He says, now, after the fact, I appreciate it. It was good. But at the time, it was like, I said, yeah, I think of that if you'd never seen Bruce before that Nashville show, right. With burning love and satisfaction, like really, really now I, of course I've, I've seen him multiple times and I love it. I, someone made a joke once that the E street band should do a tour of doing nothing but covers. They should just have a whole set. And I'm like, I'd go, I'd go in a minute. They're the best bar band in the world. They are the best bar band in the world. John, please be safe. Thank you so much. Uh, let's stay in touch. Yes. Uh, I'd love to hear your ACDC story. That yeah. that sounds amazing. So hang tight while I close things up. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for listening as always. Please remember to social distance, wash your hands, wear an effing mask, and let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. For now, thank you and goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.